extension is singing real good today. And they said, if you're wondering about the miracle-working power of God and the ability of God to perform wonders in the lives of his children, they just said, we've seen him do it. Has anybody in here ever seen a miracle? Does anybody in here know the power of God to set free and to deliver? Does anybody say that I'm here because of a miracle? Because of the grace of God. You don't have to wonder about our God. All we have to do is just look back over our shoulders and see how far the Lord has brought us from and what God has done for us. And my dear brother, if you're here today and you're confronted by a challenge that's more than you can handle, my sister, if you stand before a mountain that you cannot climb, a thousand witnesses in this room would say that if God did it for them, God can do it for you. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, died on a cross. On the third day morning, he arose from the dead. Our Savior is alive now. And if God could conquer death, there's no problem that God cannot handle. God can handle your problem. He can meet your need. And if I have any witnesses in here, let's praise God. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to allow you to be seated. Matthew 18 verse 21. While you're turning there, let me tell you how happy I am that you're here. and How thankful I am that you're a part of the life of this service and of this church. You're so welcome, and we appreciate the Lord and appreciate you so very, very much. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Look at your neighbor and say, he released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and said, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master 
all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You may be seated. I want to speak from the word forgive. Say that word after me, please. Forgive. Look toward your neighbor and say it one more time. Forgive. According to the standards of the Jewish teachers of that day, Simon Peter was being very, very generous. The rabbis of that day taught that a man must forgive his brother three times. Simon Peter, in saying seven times, was extending the limit significantly. Jesus had informed the disciples that their righteousness had to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the righteousness of the Pharisees. So Peter felt that a person could be forgiven seven times. And then with the eighth offense, he could knock his block off if he wanted to. Baseball has set the limit of American forgiveness, three strikes, and you're out. But for some people, strike two, and you're out. And for a few folk, strike one and you're out. For some, they just look at you and you're out <laughs> even before you come up to bat. A man and his wife was, were riding in a wagon pulled by a mule. Something frightened the mule and the mule bolted and reared up and the farmer said, that's one. Further down the road, the poor mule was startled by something and he kicked and hit the wagon very near where the farmer was. And the farmer said, that's two. Finally, a small animal ran just in front of the mule and frightened the mule so badly that the mule almost turned the wagon over and he ran off the road. And the farmer said, that's three. He pulled out his shotgun and shot the mule and killed the mule. And his wife looked at him and said, you old fool. Don't you know we needed that mule to get home? How are we going to get home? You have shot the mule. And the farmer looked at his wife and said, that's one. Mm -hmm. Some people not only do not forgive, they find the strangest things to be unforgiving for. Some people will not forgive a person because of a person's inability to perform at the level that they expected. They will not forgive that person even though that person did their very, very best to come up 
to the standard. But a person's inability is just a person's inability. And when they've reached the limit of their ability, there's nothing you and I can do or say to make them do better than they are able to do. But some people will not forgive people because of their inability to perform at their expected standard. Others will not forgive individuals because they will not come up to their unrealistic, unfair, disadvantageous, even immoral expectations that they may have had of someone else. You wanted them to fall in love with you. They didn't fall in love with you. And you've been angry toward them ever since that time. Who said somebody has to fall in love with you? It's a free world. You might expect them or want them to love you, but they've got to choose whom they're going to love. And you're going to have to have sense enough to understand that if it's not this person, by the power of God, it will be somebody else. And move on a little bit farther. Are you hearing me on today? And then other people are unforgiving and they're angry about matters that they are not concerned in at all. It's not your business. Don't waste your emotions on it. You're not involved in it. Why are you fooling around in somebody else's business anyhow? You're upset, fuming, about to faint. You're panting and your heart is beating fast and you don't have anything to do with it. I hear people saying, you know, I just hate to see so-and-so. It upsets me to hear about the way he's dealing with her or she's dealing with him. Why are you upset? And what is your upset going to do to change the situation? Look at your neighbor and say, if you're not in it, don't get in it. You have nothing to do with it. And so why hate a person and resent a person for something that you have absolutely nothing to... Listen, you're in enough messes of your own to be upset about someone else's mess. And then some people are angry because of what they imagine or think might happen. It has not happened yet. It probably will never happen. But you're hating a person because you're saying, you know, if she had an opportunity, or if he had an opportunity, they would do this or that toward me. You don't know what they would do toward you. But you're still angry and resentful toward them because of something you attribute to them that's not really them. And then many times, people resent people and will not forgive people because they attribute to things, things to people that people are not guilty of. Somebody told you a lie on them 15 years ago, and you believe the lie, and you've never forgave them for what you heard they said about you. And I've got news for you. They didn't say it. It never happened. It never took place. But nevertheless, you're angry toward them because of a lie somebody else told about them, and you've allowed that to build a wall between you and that person for the years of your life. And so Jesus responded 
to Simon Peter's proposal and to his question by saying, no, not seven times, 490 times, 70 times seven. In other words, always forgive. No matter how many times you're mistreated, no matter how many times you're done wrong, always forgive. Now understand that Jesus was not saying that you should repeatedly expose yourself to abuse and to mistreatment or deliberately make yourself accessible to somebody who has the habit of hurting you and hurting others. But I'm saying you should have a loving and forgiving spirit. Even though you might have to love and forgive at a distance, you still ought to have a loving and a forgiving spirit. That's the kind of attitude and spirit that we should have, not looking for something to be angry about and upset about, but trying to find a way to forgive and to love the people who are around us. This story that Jesus told, the servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, if those were talents of gold, that amount in today's money would be about 290 million $850,000. The man owed the king $290,850,000. And the king decided, I'm going to sell you, your family, and all of your possessions so I can regain some of the money that you have lost. The Lord was angry toward him. But then the servant bowed down and begged the master, listen, saying, I will pay everything if you'll just let me go free and give me a chance. And the Bible says, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. That means he said, you don't ever have to pay the debt. You can't pay it anyway, but because you begged me, I'm going to forgive you of everything that you owe. Most Bible teachers agree that this was an amount impossible to pay. While a few said he might, over the long time, be able to repay the debt, but the king totally forgave the debt altogether. The king in this story represents God, who is a forgiving God. Let's praise God for our forgiving God. Nehemiah 9 and 17 says, Thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful. And I would proclaim to you today, whoever you are, whatever you've done, God is a God who wants to pardon you and gracious and merciful who will be gracious and merciful toward you. And then Psalm 86 and 5 says, Thou, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon you. Those who come to God seeking God's forgiveness can find and obtain forgiveness. For Daniel 9 and 9 says, To the Lord belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. And God said in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. Would it not be good if all of our sins were forgiven? Would it not be wonderful to have a clean slate before God? Well, I'm here to announce to this entire multitude today, all of your sins can be forgiven. And you can have a clean slate before Almighty God. But 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so to be forgiven is to have your sins lifted up, lifted away, to have your sins sent away. For one to forgive is for one to be gracious, to extend undeserved kindness and undeserved love. And when God forgives us, he lifts our sins away from us and he loves us freely. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, the Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. God forgives you, but he forgives you because of Jesus who died for you. Sin is not some small, insignificant matter with God. Sin separates us from God. Sin hides the face of God from us. But God, for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ, has forgiven us. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God, through Jesus Christ, brings forgiveness into our lives. And so the songwriter said, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And so through Jesus Christ, we can have peace with God. We can have togetherness with Almighty God, and we can receive forgiveness from the Lord. And so my brothers and my sisters, since God has forgiven you, why don't you forgive yourself? So many forgiven folk bask in the guilt of the sins and failures and mistakes of yesterday. God has forgiven them through Jesus Christ, but they are haunted and tormented by thoughts of failures in their past. And they reflect upon the forgiveness of God by punishing and palmating themselves because of past sins. The memory of past sins ought to help you to be on guard against future sins, but to be overly obsessed and depressed about past forgiven sins is totally inappropriate. If God has forgiven you, you ought to forgive yourself. He's erased your sins. He's cast them into a sea of forgetfulness, and he's placed there a no-fishing sign. So nobody can go and fish them back up before you and show them before you and before the world to condemn you. If God has forgotten them, you ought to forget it too. Paul said, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm pressing 
toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. Listen, if there are those of you filled with regret about your past, there's nothing you can do to change your past. All you can do is turn it over to Jesus. And when you've turned it over to him, he can handle it. He died and rose again for your sins. And you ought to praise God. Thank God I'm forgiven. Thank God I'm forgiven. Thank God my sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. But the text brings us this message. Since you are forgiven, then you ought to forgive anybody and everybody whom you feel has harmed or hurt you in your life. You ought to forgive everybody who has offended you. The servant in the text was forgiven, but he was not forgiving. He found a man that owed him the equivalent of $17. $17. Grabbed the man by the throat and demanded payment of the debt. The man said, give me some time. I'll pay you everything I owe you. The man said, no, you owe me $17. He had forgotten about the fact that he had owed the master $290 million and was forgiven. But when this man who owed him $17 could not pay, he had him thrown in prison along with his family and his children. And later on, the king found out about it and sent for the man and said to him, I forgave you $290 million because you begged me, shouldn't you have had mercy and compassion upon your fellow servant who owed you only $17? And the king had that wicked servant tortured. Didn't he deserve torture? Had him thrown into prison until he paid the debt that he owed because he could not pay it at that time. And Jesus said in verse 35, God will do the same to you if you don't forgive those whom you feel have wronged you. How are you doing so far? Are you all right? Do you feel like maybe you need to forgive somebody? Release somebody? Get rid of the anger, the rancor that you have toward them? Not to forgive is torture. To refuse to forgive is to torture yourself. Number one, because unforgiveness hinders God's forgiveness of your sins. God said, if you don't forgive your brother, then I won't forgive you. And so forgiveness is torture because it separates us from the forgiveness of Almighty God. Matthew 6 and 14 says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive not, men their trespasses, then neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's powerful, isn't it? The Lord says, I want to forgive you, but I won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. But not only does unforgiveness hinder God's forgiveness, unforgiveness will hinder our prayers. You won't be able to pray like you want to pray if there's somebody you have not forgiven. For Mark 11 and 25 says, when you stand praying, forgive. Forgiveness is, the, is the, the requirement, the prerequisite for effective prayer. 
And if there's somebody you have not forgiven, then you'd better hold the prayer, go and get that thing straight, and then come back and pray in freedom and in openness before Almighty God. Unforgiveness is torture because it represents an attitude that is condemned by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, you pray, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But then finally, unforgiveness is torture because it hinders the unity and the work of the church. A divided, disunified church is an ineffective church. A church that has people in the body of Christ who won't forgive one another, who won't relate to one another, who compete with one another, who are jealous and envious of one another, that church will never become the church that God would have it to be. I want West Angeles to be a loving church, a forgiving church, a unified church. I want West Angeles to be the kind of church that the Lord would have us to be. Is there anybody here who will help me cause West Angeles to become that kind of church? Let's go to work for a while and let's see if we can draw the profile of an unforgiving person. What are the characteristics of an unforgiving person? Well, number one, an unforgiving person is a person who pities themselves. They feel that they are not as well off as they should be. And usually they say, I'm not off as well off as I should be because of something somebody did to hinder me or because of something that someone did to hurt me, because of mistreatment that causes me to feel sorry for myself. And if you feel that way about yourself, you've got to find some cause beyond yourself as the reason why you are as you are. But listen, if you're messed up, if you're confused, listen, it's not because of what someone did to you, because people have had much worse done to them than was done to you, and they made it to the top of the mountain. They made it to the presidency of the nation. They became wealthy. They became successful. And if they could have done it, you could do it also, no matter what happens and no matter what somebody does. But because you are pitying yourself, you explain it by attributing it to someone else that you do not forgive. An unforgiving person is a resentful person. And you know resentment requires an emotional and mental expenditure of your energy. And, he, and, and resentment invests more in those who hate you than it invests in those who love you. Rather than praising God for the good people in your life, rather than praising God for the good things that people have done, rather than praising God for your success in spite of all that you've gone through, you're spending your energy worried about somebody who may not even know you're on the face of the earth and who may not be aware of the fact that you think they might have done something against you. But listen, I'm not going to worry my energy on people who don't love me and on people who have hurt me. I'd rather waste my, put my energy, not waste it, but invest my energy in people who love me and people who are encouraging me and people who helped me and people who did something good for me. And people who are in this rut, you just can't get them sometime to change. You might be talking about something that's beautiful, something that's wonderful, and here they come talking about what somebody did to them 25 years ago. Listen, that was 25 years ago. 
this is today. Forgiveness will let you pack up and move on into your future. Hallelujah. Let's talk about a forgiving person for a little while. Number one, a forgiving person is merciful. And listen, you know you ought to be merciful because God sure has been merciful to you. If he had not been, you would not even be on the face of the earth. Listen, if, if you were guilty of some of the things that you are, are condemning other folk for, but let me put it this way, you are guilty of some of the things that you are condemning other folk are, and if God dealt with you like you are dealing with them, you'd never make it into the kingdom. But when you look at two people and tell them, be merciful, be merciful. An unfor a forgiving person does not dwell on what was done to them. They dwell on the blessings of God that have caused them to be where they are. Joseph said to his brothers, you tried to kill me. You tried to destroy me. You sold me into slavery. I've had rough experiences because of what you did, and you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. You tried to hurt me, but in reality, you helped me, and now I'm the vice president of the land of Egypt. You intended it for evil. God intended it for good. Listen, how many of you know God has blessed you despite what was done to you? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God has blessed me despite what was done to me. It might have hurt me, but it did not harm me. That's what Joseph said. It hurt me what you did, but it didn't harm me because I made it to the top. Child of God, it might have hurt you, but by the power of God, it won't harm you if you put your hand in God's hand. What people do to stop you will take you higher than you've ever gone before in all of your life. Would you clap your hands and give praise to God? I'm almost through. A forgiving person is in good company. You're in the company of Jesus because Jesus prayed for those who crucified him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You're in the company of Deacon Stephen who after preaching the gospel and sharing the word of God was stoned by the enemies of the church. But while the stones were plummeting his body, Stephen did not say, Lord, I know you're going to punish them. I know you're going to get them. But Stephen said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. Lord, some kind of way, let them find salvation. Let them find you. And listen, when you get to the point that you can pray about folk that are hating you and abusing you, you've reached a real good level. Paul reached that point. He prayed for those who had deserted them. And he said in 2 Timothy 4 and 16, At my first answer, all men forsook me, but I pray it will not be laid to their charge. Lord, I'm an apostle of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they have deserted me. They've left me alone. But Lord, forgive them for that. Lord, have mercy on them for that. Don't let them be punished for their sins. And so Jesus would have us to forgive those who might have wronged us or who even have done us wrong. We need to forgive them if we are to get on with the business of our life. 
you're stuck where you are until you forgive. But when you forgive, you release yourself of the burden. When you forgive, you take the anger and the animosity out of your heart. And when you forgive, you're able to go on in the power of God. What you think somebody has done to you assumes an existence all its own. It will sit down in your mind and in your heart and it will drain you perpetually. But it's only when you release it and say, I forgive in the name of Jesus that you get rid of the bitterness. You get rid of the pain. You get rid of the negativity that would exist in your heart. And to forgive is a sign of strength. When you forgive, you show yourself to be strong. When you will not forgive, that means you're weak and you're vulnerable. What they did hurt me. What they did hindered me. What they did harmed me. And so I've got to worry about it. I'm involved in it. I'm stuck in it. I can't get released from it. But a strong person says, I'm going to rise up above this. I'm better than this. You tried to hurt me, but I made it anyhow. I'm an overcomer. And so what you did, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to release it and get on with my life. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, release it and get on with your life. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. The psalmist said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I'm not worried about it because God's going to set a table when my enemies are all around me and I'm going to be all right. Tell your neighbor I'm going to be all right. You're going to be all right. For the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the call according to his purpose. Even that hurt that people try to impose on you will help you. I said a hurt can help if it takes you higher, if it makes you stronger, if it drives you to God, if it makes you pray. You ought to forgive it because it didn't hurt. Look at you. You're in God's house. Look at you. You're going higher and higher every day. Look at you. After all you've been through, you still have your joy. Look at you. You don't look like what you've been through. Why are you worried about your trial, about your hardship, about your trouble? If God brought you out and brought you over, then it's all right. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's all right. It's all right. It worked together for my good. I sought the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are being added unto me. Lord, I thank you that after all I've been through, I still have my joy. I thank you because you brought me through. 
of your distress brought you out brought you over brought you through somebody you need to find tell them thank you for lying on me thank you for trying to hurt me thank you for taking my money thank you for the trouble you caused because after coming through what you put on me God took me higher than I've ever been before I said we thank God. We give glory to God for all that God has done. We thank God that God forgave us, had mercy on us. We deserve to die, but God forgave us and put us in his bosom and took us higher. God forgave us and blessed us beyond our highest imagination. And since God forgave me, I'm going to forgive everybody that ever hurt me, that ever wronged me. And I'm going to praise God that God has blessed me and brought me where I am and taking me higher. Stand up and praise Him. for more than I could be angry at anybody else about. I've got to forgive because I want the heart of God and the heart of God is to forgive. I've got to forgive. I've got to let it go. I've got to get rid of it. I can't be happy. I have peace as long as I entertain it in my mind. But when I let it go, the peace of God will overflow my spirit. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. anything 
that you have in your heart against anybody, let it go. Draw a list of the people that you have not forgiven. And then one by one, forgive them. Because you're never free of it until you forgive it. But when you forgive it, the burden of it is lifted from you. And then you can begin to rise in the power and the might, in the knowledge of God. Forgive it now. Make a mental list and release it. I forgive this. I forgive that. I forgive it all. If you don't forgive it, what does that mean you've done about it? Nothing. But as you forgive it, you neutralize the impact of it upon your life. You tear down the fences and walls that block you in and you begin to walk in freedom and in liberty and in power. Lord, we release it. We forgive it. In the name of Jesus. It might have hurt, but it really did not harm. I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm going higher every day. I'm blessed. I don't look like what I've been through. I've got something to praise you for. I release it in the name of Jesus. And I give you glory. I give you praise. I give you honor. Did anybody forgive anybody in that last moment? But let me ask you this. Did anybody forgive everybody? Everybody that hurt me. Everybody that's ever done me wrong, I release it in the name of Jesus. And you're free. Clap your hands and praise God. I want to pray for somebody who knows they need the forgiveness of God. I want to pray for somebody who knows they've not served God as they should. They've not obeyed God as his word would decree. They've not given God the glory. That the God who made them, who protected them and preserves them, is entitled to. I want to pray for you if you're not saved. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Jesus Christ will become Lord of your life, and your life will never, ever again be the same. Everyone is standing. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, if in your heart you say, Lord, I need you, I need you in my life. Life was not designed to be lived without your help, your power, your forgiveness. In God we live, in God we move, in God we have our being. And without God, life is meaningless, filled with distress and trouble. We have no help when we face the trials of life. But if you know God, if you're saved, if your sins are forgiven, he'll be with you and or to power you and to strengthen you in the midst of everything that you may face. Father, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you would say, preacher, I need God. I want to be saved. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. Would you just lift your hand 
I'll pray for you right where you are. We'll pray that prayer, the sinner's prayer, that will enable God to fulfill his promise, come into your life, and you'll never be the same again. If you would say, preacher, include me in the prayer. Lift up that hand and hold it high. Lift it up all over the room. Pray for me, preacher. I need God. I need salvation. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well between me and my God. Lift those hands. Do not lower them. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are uplifted. By your wonderful grace, you've brought us into your house. Your word has been proclaimed. Our hearts hunger and long for your forgiveness. We want to know that we're right with you. We want to accept Jesus Christ, who is our justification and our salvation. Thank you, dear Lord, for giving them this opportunity to come to your house today. Thank you, dear Lord, that you love them and you've drawn their hearts toward thee. Everybody say this prayer after me, please. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. Your mercy is extended to me. I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. Praise the Lord. 